is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. We have reached the end of the playoffs. Next stop, Super Bowl, and we know who's finally going to play in Arizona this year for the Lombardi Trophy. To break down the conference championships, I'm going to be speaking with Al and Rian. Lads, thank you very much for joining me today. It's good to be here as usual. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter show. We've only two matches to talk about. There's plenty of talking points in them, though, and we might as well jump straight in. We're going to start with the first of Sunday's games, which was, of course, the NFC matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Lads, we spent a lot of time going through where we thought both these teams could and couldn't win the game. I don't think any of us expected it to go the way that it did. The San Francisco 49ers went through two quarterbacks. Uh, They did have to bring out their uh, Brock Purdy again to finish out the game. It turns out he has ligament damage, torn ligaments in his throwing arm throwing elbow so he's seriously incapacitated after that and then they brought in Josh Johnson who's played for every team in the NFL and he immediately got concussed because they tried to block defensive ends with tight ends that wasn't even George Kittle and it got very messy and the Eagles didn't even have to play particularly well and we'll slowly get into all of this and start digging in Al why don't you start us off is it all down to Brock Purdy getting injured. Is that the reason we're sitting here talking about an Eagles Super Bowl versus a San Francisco 49th Super Bowl appearance? No, no. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think the, the Eagles played particularly well, um, but they didn't have to given the 49ers, you know, the injuries, obviously. You know, Fred Warner got injured at the start. Uh, I don't think he was 100% for the game. Joey Bosa, or Nick Bosa, sorry. Um, and then, of course, the quarterback situation was, which is a disaster. So hard, hard to win under the best of circumstances with that. But then you have the penalties: eleven penalties for eighty-one yards. Like again, it goes back to the Bills game I was talking a few weeks ago. It's just frustrating. Just stupid penalties costing them the game. As much as the Eagles beat them, you know, the Eagles played well enough to win the game, but the 49ers beat themselves just as much with those ridiculous penalties. Yeah, for me, actually, I kind of think it is down to the fact that uh, Purdy went out of the game. Like, he started out 4 for 4, 5.6 yards average per per attempt. And really, before he went out of the game, the Eagles were on the ropes, right? They did have that touchdown, but the touchdown shouldn't have been. Clearly, Devontae Adams didn't call catch the ball. I said it to my girlfriend as soon as it happened. I was like, that looked like an incompletion. Fion messaged in before they went to any replays and said, never a catch. And uh, yeah, it turned out it wasn't. And so they, realistically, the 49ers should have been 7-0 up before Purdy went out of the game. And the Eagles really weren't looking very good. So I think if the 49ers could have jumped out to a couple of scored lead with Purdy at the helm, uh, it would have been a totally different game. I did mention last week that this game hinged on how well Purdy played. And he didn't play at all. So... There's your answer right there. Yeah, I think, Rin, you jumped on two important points there, and I want to get into them a little bit more, and Al, you can jump in as well. That catch, I really wonder what was going through 
the mind of the 49ers staff all the way up the, from the guys on the sideline all the way up to the guys in the box because when you see a wide receiver jump up like that in the fourth quarter after converting a fourth down they usually spend about five ten minutes peacocking after the catch making sure everybody's seeing them and making sure they're on every jumbo screen in the place he got up he was running he was like snap this ball snap this ball I heard some uh, pundit, I don't remember who, mentioned, like, why wouldn't you even just take a timeout? Take a timeout, let your guys have a view. You don't even have to waste the challenge. It's a first half. You know Brock Purdy's very good at managing his time. I believe they went in after the first half with a timeout in their back pocket. So in the end, as the game played out, they probably wouldn't have needed it. I mean, it's all if, buts, and maybes. But, Rin, I think I agree with you. If you challenge that and you get the ball back, I think they were just past the halfway line, just past midfield. That's prime field position. We know Brock Purdy can manage a game. He's He did not look daunted. I think he was only, was he only three for three? I think he threw one pass, a screen pass when he came back after his injury. So he, he was three for three. He was for 23 yards. He was looking comfortable. I think that's the main thing that I took away from it. And look, for anyone wondering, we'll talk about the Eagles now in a minute, but just to get over what it, because it's such an unusual circumstance to have to go through. Al, were you surprised that they didn't challenge or even try and delay and have a look, given all of the refereeing that has become, as it always does in the postseason, has become such a talking point? There's new reviews, there's new off-site reviews as well that can be expedited. You need to give these guys time. I'm surprised that they didn't do that, the 49ers coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, you have staff watching the game, multiple different angles. They would have saw that immediately, that it was an incompletion, and they would have, I would have assumed, they would have told them to to challenge that. That's, that's on Shanahan as much as it is anyone else. You absolutely have to challenge that. And as you said, at least take a timeout to review it and make sure you should. Um, you know, you saw Andy Reid challenging just about everything in the game uh, after. So you, you have to challenge that. That's on Shanahan as much as it is anyone else. For me, I don't know how they can't go to the kind of NCAA system where any kind of uh, half-dubious call gets immediately sent upstairs. Just do away with the whole challenge system. If you see a, a wide receiver come down with a football where the ground is even remotely in play, send that upstairs immediately. It hasn't slowed down the college football game at all, so I don't see why it can't be implemented in the NFL. Do you think playing in Philadelphia had a big deal to do with this? Obviously, a lot of the TV and stuff is controlled by local uh, production companies. Certainly, the stuff on the Jumbotron in the stadium is controlled by uh, Eagles media personnel. Do you think that maybe played a little bit into effect that it wasn't immediately obvious it wasn't shown from 15 different angles as soon as he hit the ground it seemed to take a while even after the touchdown was scored or even after the break that happened after the second snap uh, or after the snap that restarted the game that's when kind of replays came out we heard the commentary even comment on it a couple of plays later they weren't immediately on it they kind of didn't immediately cop onto it do you think that maybe played into it a little bit there must be some I mean, rule against that. Like, you can't, you can't just be like, oh, we won't show that, and you know, see if we can get away with it. You know, even even the local stations, they they must have some rules against that and have pretty heavy, you know, fines or whatever. But yeah, rules are rules NFL. are not. 
sorry, Al. Rules or no, I I don't. I think it would have been a very very heads up play by the guys in that media team to kind of immediately instinctually go, oh, this might not be a catch, and we'll help out our home team by doing that. I mean, these guys are they're not necessarily football guys they're media guys and they'll want to show the big flashy catches over and over again so i think it might have just been a lucky break that they didn't go to the angle that it showed the ball hitting the ground immediately after the catch Mm. and we saw lads before we we break down the philadelphia eagles performance and what it means for them heading to the super bowl we saw an interesting scenario happen that i'd never seen before as well also involving replay where the Philadelphia Eagles tried to punt the ball back, hit the sky cam, according to the reaction of all the players, and not a single camera in the stadium could confirm or deny whether or not that ball hit the sky cam. In the end, we presume it did, but the 49ers got the ball back from great position. How bizarre was that? What did you make of that? Yeah, totally strange. And to me, when it went to the kind of wide shot replay, the ball kind of did change trajectory halfway through the kick. Now, it didn't look like it was a very good kick to start with. It didn't come out with a nice spiral off the boot. But at the same time, if it hits that wire, by law, it should go back for a re-kick. So I think the uh, the, the Eagles got a little bit unlucky there. Um, but I mean, yeah, this is the whole thing with the, with the exact wording of the law is there has to be irrefutable evidence that the opposite has happened to change a ruling on the field. Uh, so obviously they can't rule 100% because they can't actually see those wires on the replays. Uh, so yeah, just a little bit unfortunate. Well, look, yeah. the fourth... Sorry, Al, go ahead. And I was just going to say, um, that's happened multiple times now um, with the wires getting in the way of punts. Um, I think it happened earlier this year as well. Um, they, they're going to want to do something about that because that's going to... That's going to cost. Uh, that's actually going to cost a game, probably one of the days, mm. um, if they don't catch it again, and then it takes an unlucky bounce. Looking forward to the San Francisco's offseason, Rainy. You mentioned in the chat something that I thought was very interesting that you can elaborate on here. Is I think this gives a big headache to the San Francisco for San Francisco Forty Nine ers. There's no guarantee that Purdy, with this type of injury to the severity that he has, is ready to go game one and you mentioned that likely has the starting job right back to Lance uh, and I think maybe takes a couple of headaches out I suspect 49ers will get rid of Garoppolo just because of the contract and given how Brock Purdy has played uh, but yeah how do you talk us through your thought process there how do you see that playing out in the San Francisco 49ers front office and on the practice field as we get into next season yeah, well, I mean, the um, the initial kind of prognosis for Purdy is that he has he's torn his UCL and his throwing shoulder or his throwing elbow, and generally that would be a six month injury. So you're talking about this uh, going into a camp for next year and possibly even into the start of the regular season. And at that point, Brock Purdy being a he's in his rookie year this season, so he'll be a, a first-year guy, a second-year guy, beg your pardon, going into next season. He's not going to have the same amount of time to really get dug into that offense the same way Trey Lance will, who is a third-year player coming into this offense. And if Trey Lance gets that kind of starting role by default uh, coming into the, the start of next season, i.e. Brock Purdy is still injured, and he starts out with a hot hand, it's going to be very, very difficult to take that starting job back off him. So I think this is going to be 
uh, a situation where Purdy is going to end up losing that starting position purely based on the fact that he got injured. Al, you've been the most down on Purdy. Not that you you say he's a bad player. You, you admit he's a good player, but he's not the guy that you wanted and you think they gave up a little bit too much in previous drafts for Trey Lance to now have to play Purdy. Do you think then, in your opinion, is this a, a good scenario for the 49ers? Does this get them back on track to that first-round draft pick they spent so much capital on? Or are you, were you starting to be converted to Purdy and maybe this is a... a a setback for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously not a good situation. Um, you know, regardless of you know, if if I'm not his biggest fan, you, you don't want to see that with any of your quarterbacks. With Garoppolo gone, most likely, and then now they just have two quarterbacks, and one of them's injured. Now they'll mo- most likely bring some back, um, or sorry, get some in free a- free agency. But I think. Um, I think it's just it's a hard situation. Um, I think it's it's Lance's job. I mean, uh, to lose at this point, he'll be the one starting with a six month recovery. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's a strange situation, um, an unfortunate situation. I hope uh, I hope Purdy can come back because I've I've been critical of him, but I don't I wouldn't wish this on him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think they've got a long time the San Francisco 49ers to think about this issue to deal with this issue unfortunately they're in the same place as all our teams now their season is done all there is to do is thinking and planning and remodeling for next season they've nothing more to worry about for this season so we'll move on to the uh, NFC champs they're going to go to the Super Bowl the Philadelphia Eagles they had a tremendous record this season in the regular season 14 and 3 they looked very strong for a lot of the year. They dropped the odd game here or there, but we know how difficult it is to go unbeaten in the regular season. This game, as I said in the intro, I felt they didn't get out of third gear, but I think that was mostly because they didn't have to. They were very dominant in the trenches on both sides, and I think that made life difficult for San Francisco. you got to give them credit. They put pressure and hits on the quarterbacks. That's what got them into the quarterback situation that they had to face. Maureen, as you said, the 49ers lost their cool a little bit and started giving away sloppy, messy penalties. Not only that gave them very good starting field position, the Eagles, but also helped them out on drives. Jalen Hurts didn't play particularly well. 15 of 25 for 121 yards. They did run the ball extremely well. That's my synopsis of the game. Rian, why don't you walk us through where you felt the Eagles were the strongest? What, What won them this game for you as you watched it? Well, I mean, I think for starters, the turnover right at the end of the first quarter was a very, very big deal for the Eagles. Um, it, it it changed a, a one-score game at the half, possibly a tie game, depending on how the drive turned out, into a two-score lead, a double-digit lead. And we see that so often with the Eagles. It frustrates me so much that we don't get to watch teams challenge this team. They jump out to uh, a a double digits lead very quickly in a lot of the games and then just cruise along in third gear. And it it, it really has frustrated me that we haven't seen anybody really challenge them outside of possibly the the Cowboys. And even then it was kind of like when... uh, when Jalen Hurts wasn't around. I want to see somebody challenge this team, and hopefully that is in the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, look, they did what they had to do. They got the job done, and you cannot begrudge them for doing that. Yeah, Al, do you agree? Is Have we seen the best of the Philadelphia Eagles 
both myself and Rain think they haven't really, really had that that epic win, that statement win. They've done a lot of winning, let's not get it wrong. Uh, but they haven't necessarily looked absolutely blisteringly hot. And they haven't had to either. You can't argue with the outcome. They're now in the Super Bowl, one game away from lifting the Lombardi Trophy. How have you felt their season has played out? Have we seen the best? Do you believe from what you've seen in the playoffs? Are they going in as your favourites into the Super Bowl? Um, I don't think they're my favourites in, in the Super Bowl, to be honest. They've, like, they are a very good team. There's absolutely no doubt in that. You don't get, you know, you don't do what they've done by accident. You know, from top to bottom, they're a really, really good team. But we did see on uh, in that game that they do have a couple of uh, a couple of issues, and we've seen it over the season as well. Especially on the 49ers' only touchdown, the tackling on Christian McCaffrey and that touchdown was awful, and we've seen that multiple times, and they are not going to get away with that next week. They have to tighten that up. Um, I don't know if we've like seen the best. I don't know if it gets any better. If this is just the team, if Jalen Hurts is good, just good enough, mm. and they can coast on that run game because their offensive line is so good, I don't know if we get any different. Um, but with some of the mistakes we saw, they aren't going to survive next week. Um, or sorry in a couple of weeks in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Yeah, I, you mentioned there the offensive line. In a team that is stacked with offensive weapons, do you think <clears throat> it's impressive that the offensive line is one of those units that stands out on this team, given how stacked they are? They have some great running backs. Maybe not, you could argue, that top five names in the league, let's say, but a very stacked running, running back room. Uh, great wide receivers, as we know, with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. So are you really impressed by this offensive line? Is this the best unit on this field, uh, on this team, do you feel? I think by far uh, it's the best on this team. Um, they're just, they're so good. And Lane Johnson, uh, he's playing with a, a tear in his groin. And uh, he, he didn't shut Bosa down, but he did a good job um, last week. And you saw in more in the interior, they were just bullying the 49ers all game. Um, I think that's going to be a huge factor. You know, the 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 Chiefs got a nice uh, game against the banged up Bengals offensive line, but um, I think it's going to be it's going to be a tough challenge for them uh, next hmm. week going in. I think that's just that's just the strength of this team. They can coast on the running back or the running game because the offensive line is so good and they can get that movement up front. Ryan, plenty of names on that defensive <clears throat> line as well. Have you been impressed with them? Dominican Sue, a guy they brought in. We know how good uh, Hassan Reddick is and you know how good Hassan Reddick is. And they've really stood up, I feel, in these playoffs. They've only conceded seven points in the last two playoff games that they played. Granted, we can say all about the scenario of this particular game, but... That has to speak volumes. Like we mentioned, the pressure they got uh, on Purdy and Johnson as well really caused the 49ers a lot of problems, got them off that game plan. Uh, have you been impressed with defensive end or this defensive unit? And how strong are they? Do you how how do you rank them in Super Bowl defenses that we've seen in the last maybe five, ten years? 
Well, that that front four without having like superstar marquee names that we we all know, they they are managing to be one of the better units we've seen in the past decade. I mean, like we're talking about four guys across that front four with ten plus sacks on the season each. That is insane. I don't remember any team ever having that. So it 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 has just been an unbelievable unit. Now, the further back you get with the Eagles, I would argue, the the less kind of talent that they have. So their linebacker room is okay. Those safeties, I'm not so sure about. Um, but yeah, look, when they can put that much pressure on with that front four, I don't think they really need to have top-notch safeties because the quarterback has to get the ball out quickly. And I really think that is going to be where the game boils down to next time around in the Super Bowl because that... Um, that Chiefs O-line performed very well against a, a Bengals uh, defense, uh, which are known for creating pressure as well. So I'm wondering if they can get to Patrick Mahomes the way the, the Cincinnati Bengals didn't uh, and really get him kind of hurting, maybe uh, aggravate that ankle a little bit because when you take Patrick Mahomes out of the game, you basically take away the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Well, look, Rian, that's a great segue. We're going to leave the NFC Championship where it is. Congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles. We will see them in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks' time. We're not going to spend too much time on the Super Bowl. We have loads of shows, lots of great stuff lined up for you, for our listeners coming up. So we'll get into that as the week and the following week unfold. And we'll move on to the AFC Championship game. As Rian mentioned, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20. It was a close game. It was a tight game. It was a well-contested game. The last-minute field goal for the Chiefs sealed it. I believe there was three seconds left on the clock uh, when they banged over that field goal. We're going to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. How did you feel they performed? Did you get to see this was the late game for us over in Ireland? Reen, did you get to see much of the game or highlights or anything like that? I watched the condensed uh, the the game in forty minutes the day after. I couldn't stay up to watch it live, and I'm really sorry that I missed it live because it turned out to be a fascinating game. It wasn't the barnstormer that some people were suggesting it might be, with both teams scoring thirty or forty points, but it was a real chess game. I really liked how that Chiefs defense kind of, uh, who have not been the best defensive unit overall this season they really stood up and performed on the night against the Bengals and uh, they baited uh, Joe Burrow into throwing a pick and that's not something that's done very easily um, and they managed to get pressure on Joe Burrow as well so I really liked how that defense played and the offense did enough to get them over the line uh, really liked how Valdez Scantling performed in this game particularly with Juju Juju Smith-Schuster not being available uh, he really stepped up to the plate I think he had over 100 yards on the day so yeah all sides of the ball were humming for the Chiefs and it's not like the Bengals played very badly it's just that they didn't get the job done where the Chiefs did hmm. Al did you get to see much of the game what were your initial assessments of it uh, yeah I same as Ray. I caught it the next day I fell asleep and during the first half couldn't stay up till it's about 3 a.m. That game finished probably. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good game. Um, there's a couple of things I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was a good game. Both sides played well. Um, the better team won, I think. Um, Mahomes, again, just he's the best quarterback in the league. 
with with a with a sore ankle. He just played lights out, made minimum mistakes, uh, and despite some good pressure, I think the the Bengals defense did a good job in trying to get to him. You know, they they weren't shut down. Um, they they got some good stuff. So, um, yeah, Mahomes is great. Uh, he he proved that again. Um, playoff Frank Clark showed up again. Um, pretty much invisible for most of the season, and then of course he gets. Uh, two or three sacks over the playoffs um, and then I was really really impressed um, of course I can't remember his name now um, defensive tackle Chiefs. Chris Jones Chris Jones. I don't know why I could forget his name uh, I was really impressed by him he was huge in this game all over the field, in the backfield constantly uh, we might stick with the formula we used for the NFC Championship game let's have a little chat about the Bengals first as their season comes to a <clears throat> premature end. I think for me, what stands out the most is the inability to rush. And I guess that comes down to that banged up offensive line we spoke about. I think a lot of pre- people predicted it would become a sore spot against the Bills in the divisional round. It didn't. They coped with it quite well. And they managed to, to have a good running game there. But I think this was a game too short. They only managed 71 rushing yards. Joe Burrow was 30 of that. So that'll tell you how poorly they were able to run the ball. Joe Mixon, only 19 rushing yards and uh, Samaji P. Ryan, 22 rushing yards. So that for me is one thing that stood out. Is offensive line for the second season running, Rain? do you feel like that's their big area of need for the Bengals coming into next season? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Like, they did improve that O-line in the off-season, but the one place that we knew that they were going to struggle was depth. And with the injuries that have occurred on that O-line, it has really become apparent that they really do need to uh, bring in some veteran guys just to kind of shore it up, make sure that they have depth there across all of the positions. Uh, Because we saw, I mean, like, five sacks in a championship uh, weekend given up and only 71 rushing yards Joe Burrow was running for his life that whole game and we saw that on those 30 rush yards that was always him breaking the pocket after nearly being crushed by one of those mm. big Kansas City defensive linemen's linemen uh, on any given play so yeah Joe Burrow had an excellent game uh, I found maybe not the best stats wise but certainly did what he needed to do Um. So, yeah, if they can get that offensive line back into a kind of serviceable uh, quality, then they're in a really good position moving into next season. Mm. Al, moving on to more positive notes for the Cincinnati Bengals. How impressed are you with the wide receiver core they've put together? Just for context, even this game where it was kind of difficult to come by yards, uh, all of their main wide receivers and their tight end, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase... And T. Higgins all had good games, solid receiving yards, uh, big chunk plays, all of them going for plays on over 20 yards. That's obviously something that the Bengals can hang their hat on. A lot of young guys there. Do you expect them to be able to retain a lot of that talent and give them that option to focus on the offensive line? Because I feel like that's one aspect that a lot of teams don't have is that they don't have any really sure fire units that they can just kind of put on ice, get ready for next season and really focus their energies. I think a lot of teams have a lot of areas 
to fill. And I think maybe that's where the Bengals have a one advantage on the on the offensive side of the ball, at least. Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with uh, how they've built um, around Joe Burrow. That that receiving core is really really nice. I love uh, Jamar Chase is great, obviously, and then Higgins and Boyd, um, they're always doing their part. You see them in every game in one way or another. Um, Hayden Hurst had another nice year, um, and then the running game as well as a nice compliment. Um, I I really like how they've built that offense, and I think I think they can. Uh, you know, build around it and uh, do some more. They're in a good position this off season. Now Hayden Hurst and Piran, I think, are free agents, but uh, they have like thirty million in cap space. So I think they'll do, they'll do plenty well. But yeah, I think I think they're a really nice unit. Uh, one of the best in the NFL. I know I know it didn't really show, um, but they they are they have been consistently one of the best over the year. Well, look, we'll leave that to ponder over the offseason and we'll focus on the Kansas City Chiefs. They will be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Rina Gain, not a huge running game for the Kansas City Chiefs. They did a lot of their damage through the air as well. Uh, and how exciting is it for them? We mentioned, I think, at the, in the preseason how uh, losing key wide receivers is always difficult. And they went for a kind of wide receiver by committee. They brought in Valdez Scantling. Uh, they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. And they brought in Kadarius Tony. They also had the likes of Mikal Hartman. And they drafted Sky Moore as well. That's a deep wide receiver room. They didn't all have great games in this game. Obviously, you mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster pre-banged up. He didn't, have, didn't see a lot of game time. But I think that shows the benefit when you have Travis Kelsey consistently getting 75 80 100 yard games all you need is one other guy to show up opposite him causes massive headaches this was marquez valdez scanting you always you already mentioned how impressed you were with him in this game is the sky the limit for this kansas city chiefs offensive uh weapons room the wide receiver room absolutely and i love the way that Andy Reid builds these offenses, right? So uh, last year he had his superstar in Tyreek Hill, who he went to often, uh, and he totally changed the philosophy going into this season. He said he would get uh, himself a whole new receiver room with, with as you as you mentioned, Juju Smith-Schuster and Marcus Valdez-Scantling coming over, um, and then build as well with younger guys. So Tony's only been the the league a couple of years now. Uh, Sky Moore shown flashes possibly not to the extent that we would have expected uh, in this offense but we can see he as well can run the ball as well as uh, catching those passes so yeah they've built a really dangerous receiver room without having massive superstar names of course Travis Kelsey helps being in that room also um but yeah really impressed with the way they've built and um they should be dangerous moving forward as they always are Al, did we see a new wrinkle thrown into this offense at the last minute by Andy Reid, possibly ahead of the Super Bowl to kind of break a bit of tendencies? Saw Isaiah Pacheco catch five balls for 60 yards, give or take. That's kind of new. They haven't exactly leaned on that or had to lean on that during the regular season. Do you think that's that was intentional to beat the Cincinnati Bengals? Or was that an extra wrinkle that Andy Reid added in in order to create further depth and further uh, complexity into this offense ahead of a Super Bowl matchup. 
It could be a bit of both. Um, we've we've seen uh, Pacheco get more involved over the season, um, and it's for good reason. Uh, he's a really good player. Um, he's I love the way he runs. He runs really hard. You see, every time there's a run, like he'll be stopped and he'll just fight to get you know an extra couple of yards. And um, he's quick. He's very quick. Um, so I think they've just started to lean on him a little bit more, a little bit more. And especially uh, yesterday, they had um, Juju, and I think there might have been another receiver um, injured. So um, I think they will lean on him a bit more, uh, but I don't know if it was you know, intentional. Um, oh. Might have just been uh, a little extra with the injuries. But uh, yeah, he's he's a very good player. And there was, of course, a little bit of controversy <clears throat> going towards the end of this game. We mentioned last-minute field goal for the win for the Kansas City Chiefs. That was set up by a, a maybe not a controversial play, but let's call it a boneheaded play by the Bengals' defense. A little bit of a shove, maybe a little bit too late on the quarterback. The referees took offense to that. They threw a flag. Uh, I believe it was Osei. Uh, is he a defensive end? I believe he's a defensive end for the Bengals. Uh, and that caused a little bit of consternation as well going in. Pratt giving out. We saw videos of that giving out as they went into the dressing room. How do you feel for the for the Bengals? I think at this level, for me at least, it's just a mistake you can't make. We know they're human. We know they're top athletes and, and mistakes happen. But if you want to get to the Super Bowl, you need a little bit of luck and you need to not hurt yourself. And anytime you're hurting yourself, you're giving the, other, the opposition, especially in the NFL, especially at the end of the playoffs, chance to go and win the game and like the Kansas City Chiefs did they very rarely miss when teams are this high quality what did you think about the whole situation Rain? well me and Al actually agreed that this actually was a controversial play and not for oh. the hit out of bounds uh, the hit out of bounds was quite clearly out of bounds shouldn't be doing that particularly at the juncture of the game that they're in uh, but there probably should have been offsetting penalties on this play, uh, there looked to be quite a blatant hold somewhere on the internal part of that O-line uh, that really allowed Patrick Mahomes to break the pocket and get outside. So I would have said, yeah, a little bit unfortunate that they didn't get called for that offsetting penalties. It still possibly would have been a makeable field goal uh, for a kicker of Harrison Booker's quality. Um, but still, it yeah, these sort of things, they, they go amiss on a weekly basis in the NFL. So I'd be a little bit more uh, inclined to go with, yep, yeah, boneheaded play from Osai. He shouldn't have done it. And yeah, look, at the end of the day, the better team on the day won the game. So maybe the result uh, worked itself out. Al, anything to add there? Um, yeah, I mean, there there are, I was reading um, Nate Tice actually uh, put up, um, There's there's actually in the rules, um, they they won't call holding as much uh, on rip moves because that generally gets the defender's arm around your neck and it looks like they're holding. Um, and that that's an explanation certainly uh, on the tackle. Um, that's what happened there. Um, inside it wasn't totally clear. Um, I think it could have been called, but I'm not. It wasn't enough to be like, yes, that's a hold. And you know, there was a bit of jersey tugging, but I mean, it's you know. In the trenches, you see that every single play, and you can't throw a flag every play. Um, as for the rest of it, I mean, the, I thought the officiating in this game was fine. You know, there, there was way worse games over the year where uh -huh. the officiating was bad, and clearly bad, 
and that may have cost games or cost scores. You know, if if you want to complain, don't you know go in the red zone twice and then settle for six points out of that. Don't throw two picks. You know, I think it didn't affect anything. Um, it was it was a stupid play. You know, mm. Mahomes was five yards out of bounds. You know, yep. that's 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 what cost them. You know, and I feel bad for Asai. He knows, and you could tell he knew. Um that it was a stupid play. And he was just trying to make a play, you know, 30 seconds left in the game at that point um, before they went to overtime. He's trying to, you know, make the play to just stop it. Um, you know, it is what it is. Well, look, before we leave that, I'll open it up to you guys. I think a huge talking point, not just for ourselves, but for kind of <laughs> every pundit looking ahead to the Super Bowl will be Mahomes. The injury he suffered into the, the divisional rounds he did, obviously, as you guys mentioned, that towards the end of the game, he had rolled out, got a few yards off that. Uh, he has took three sacks, so he kept. He did take a little bit of damage. Rain, you spoke about how important it's going to be for this Eagles to try and get home and really test that ankle. But uh, in your opinion, was this about as positive as he expected in terms of how this injury is progressing for Chiefs fans and, and Mahomes' readiness, obviously two weeks off now before the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Mahomes didn't look too far off his best uh, in this game. Obviously, he remained in the pocket a little bit more than he would usually. Uh, and I think he was helped out a little bit by Andy Reid's play calling. You know, I, I, I think personally, the reason we saw that jump in Pacheco's stats on the passing game was to get the ball out of uh, Mahomes' hands quicker. They love that deep shot where they can just have Mahomes kind of settling in the pocket and allow that play to develop over two or three seconds. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're getting the ball out quicker. Um yeah, it's going to really be a test for him and that whole offense to come up against this offensive line. But I have faith that Andy Reid will do a decent job in scheming his guys open, uh, lower down, down the field, kind of to um, to get that ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands nice and quick. And hopefully we'll see a closer game than we did uh, for with, with the Eagles versus the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Well, look, we're going to analyze, overanalyze, and reanalyze everything that happened during the season and the playoffs between now and the Super Bowl to try and convince ourselves that we are now where the money is going when we're trying to make our bets for the Super Bowl. Uh, we have loads of great stuff lined up for you here on the Under Center podcast. Please do stay tuned to all our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at Under Center Pod. On YouTube, under Center Podcast, please do like and subscribe. Add your comments. Let us know what you think. We're going to be in the comments. We'll have a discussion with you. You think if you agree with any of our points, you want to put up, up your own points, let us know how we're getting on. We would love that interaction. Uh, and again, you can find this audio version on wherever you find your podcasts, including Spotify and iTunes. Lads, Next week is the Pro Bowl. If we can stay awake, I guess we might do a 10-minute show on it. I don't know. It's flag football. It's not even fake contact like they had before. I don't know what we're going to do, but everybody stay tuned. We will have some great content between now and the Super Bowl, including our own predictions and some fantastic guests uh, as we try and dive down as deep as we can. Al, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Thank you for having me on. And Rian, thank you very much for joining me this evening. It's been a pleasure as usual. That's all from us. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.